This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Thanks for spending some time with me on the Danny Mac podcast. This is a breaking news edition, and I'm happy Bet Rivers likes me enough to say, hey, get at it tomorrow. Don't wait until Thursday this week. We got breaking news, and it indeed was huge news. When we all learned Tuesday afternoon, White Sox changes are huge. Jerry Reinsdorf pulling the plug on veteran executive vice president Kenny Williams and general manager Rick Hahn a move many were rooting for, many curiously celebrating on social media to the point of hideousness, if you ask me, even though I thought it was the right move and suggested that a while ago. But White Sox changes are are happening, and I can't think of a better guy to talk to about this today than the 1983 American League Rookie of the Year White Sox ambassador, Ron Kittle, good old number 42. Kitty, thanks for the time, man. It's a... it's, these are dark hours in, in franchise history, and you have been a Jerry Reinsdorf loyalist for 40 years. Uh, did you think this was going to be the direction he chose? Did you think these changes would happen, or did you think it was going to be business as usual? You know, he owns the team. He, has, he pays the bills. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, I was at the park yesterday, and I saw every – Every face that was involved in this for the newcomers, Isle Gorners, uh, walking by with a smile on their face, not, you know, really knowing anything. And I heard the news just like everybody else did over a bleep. You know, it came over the wire for us. And uh, was I shocked? Not not shocked. I mean, Jerry loves baseball. He loves the Chicago White Sox. He wants the winner. And, you know, over the years, he hires people who he thinks he has faith in to go out there and do their job. And, uh He might have just got fed up with it. I'm not real sure. I mean, I talk to him just like you and I would talk. And uh, but I don't ever repeat stories of what goes on out there. But changes need to be made. He made them. Uh, Now we got to start looking forward. But uh, I think there's other changes are going to be made too here shortly. There seems to be a lot of speculation about Chris Getz already inside the organization will be next in line. If that, in fact, happens, are, are you a thumbs up on that hire? Well, Chris Getz, uh, I mean, was he, 39 years old? He looks like he's 12. Uh, I mean, he's a good guy. He's a smart baseball guy, too. He really is. And uh, you got to have confidence in somebody. I mean, I never heard of Rick Hahn until he got that job. So, But I know Chris Getz. Uh, and, and I feel you got to give some people a chance. I think most of these guys are taking that cyber metric stuff that they've been promoting for the last five or six years and throwing it in the garbage because these guys who are sitting up there with all these numbers and notepads and uh, are trying to figure out what's the avenue that these players are going to do. I don't know. It's as a professional baseball player, when I played with Jerry Kuzman, Carlton Fisk, Greg Lazinski, Tom Seaver, we had that cyber metrics in our head. We knew as a player, 
and the managers kind of reflected back with it. I mean, you don't need to be told what to do every five five seconds to do how to play a guy. You better learn that for yourself, and you become a better ball player like that. But it's it, the game has changed. Everybody's got an iPad now, Danny. <laughs> Uh, a tip of the cap to Les Grobstein, Skypoint, uh, Sky uh, Cybermetrics, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite malaprops. It's good to see running back in baseball this year and people actually valuing runs batted in. I guess runs matter again. So the cybermetricians finally being proved wrong. But let, let's get back to the point. And let, I wanted you to talk about loyalty because that has been a criticism uh, and I, in some cases, very, very valid of Jerry Reinsdorf, that he has been loyal to a fault to so many players, not just with the Sox, but also with the Bulls. And when loyalty becomes problematic, talk to us today, Kitty, about the evolution of, of Jerry, his treatment of former players, and whether you think that has, in fact, retarded the progress of the organization well most people who dislike the fact that jerry is loyal are the ones not on his loyal list so you're going to get that first they're not on there to want to be uh secured or whatever it is i mean you can only make so many mistakes in your life as an athlete uh or an announcer whatever it is and you get a second chance maybe you never get a third chance uh jerry believes in his heart when he makes a decision that's his decision I mean, he, you got to take a gamble on some guys, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. I, I get treated absolutely like royalty when I'm at the ballpark. I, I'll do anything for it. If Jerry wanted me to pick up the peanut shells after the ball game, I'd pick them up. And you know I would. And I, But I would do it perfectly so there would never be a shell extra anywhere out there. And not there's a lot of people still scared of him. I mean, I walked down the hall with him. I mean, I, I've had cigars with him many times, been to dinner. Uh, and he only, what's the word, divulges things that he wants to. I mean, he's a very private person. And you know what? He's very smart. I mean, probably one of the best owners in all professional sports. Uh, even during the pandemic, he was one of the few or only one that paid every single vendor during the pandemic from the Bulls and the Sox. Nobody else did that. So, but he still gets ripped apart. Uh, and it, it, it's, I don't know if it's false thing. Is it loyalty? He just doesn't like to be the bad guy, you know? And I think that's the part. And, uh, like during the pandemic, I tell you a little story and he goes, uh, I said, Jerry, if you need my money to let some of these young kids make a payment on a car or house, you can take my money during the COVID and use that. And he literally said, that's the nicest thing I've ever heard from anybody in my entire life. Then he looked at me and he goes, but it's the stupidest thing I have ever heard. You never want to do that. <laughs> Keep it up and he'll make you a manager. Although unlike Robin Ventura, you actually have a little bit of managerial experience. And and that's a fear some of us have, that, that Jerry will do what I like to call another Reinsdorfian thing, and that is give the nod to somebody who's on that loyal list who doesn't deserve it because he doesn't have the experience. I can see Jim Tomey as the next GM of this team with almost no experience at that damn position. Yeah, but he knows, game, he, he knows the game of baseball. And so does Robin Ventura. But what you don't want is somebody with an ego to come in there as a manager or a general manager and think you're better than the whole process. That just doesn't, that just doesn't work out there. So I had dinner about five years ago with Joe Torrey. And I'm sitting at his dinner table with his wife. And I'm sitting there and... Uh, 
he, I go, Joe, congratulations on all your World Series. He goes, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie. He goes, Humpty Dumpty can manage a team. All I got to do is say, Derek Jeter, you're leading off. Mariano, you got the eighth and the ninth. So you got to have the horses to win a ball game. You got, I'm almost too tired to say you got to stay healthy to win games uh, because I never felt good. Last time I felt good, I was 12 years old. You know, so I, I just went out there to play. If I broke a finger, I taped it up with some white tape, uh, pulled it out and played the game. I mean, I probably was foolish on my part, but you got to have that meanness, that toughness built in you. And these kids nowadays, they just don't have that. I was really disturbed, as a lot of people were yesterday, by comments made by Eloy Jimenez regarding the leadership, the lack of leadership on this team. And some of the guys, after they got moved, they were pointing fingers to the team lacked leadership. Well, you're a goddamn veteran. Step up and provide some. I mean, if you're stranded on a desert island, you go and hunt, right? You change it rather than sit around and feel sorry for yourselves. The White Sox players have been an embarrassment. Whenever they have spoken this year, and even when they don't speak, like Tim Anderson, uh, Mr. I'll tell you everything going on in my private life, and then after shit hits the fan, he runs and hides for several weeks. This team has been hard to like. Tell you know, Unless you see something, I don't. This has been one of the worst teams I've ever seen. You know, there's definitely some talented people on that team. Uh, they're making a heap of money, uh, but... Eloy said it right. He didn't know what to say because nobody wants to take that leader role when you're hitting 212 uh, and you're, you're you're not doing well. It's hard to be a leader when you're not doing your job yourself. But like Robin Ventura, when he was a manager over there, uh, I was kind of shocked he got the job. But the bottom line is when you got a bunch of good players, you, you don't need a manager. You can have a robot sitting in a dugout because everybody should know how to play the game. Unfortunately, these young guys just don't know how to play the game. There's some talent. Mankata, third baseman. I mean, the guy has tools of anybody I've ever seen. Uh, Luis Roberts in center field. I saw him in single A, double A, and triple A. I mean, this guy has the making of Roberto Clemente. That's how talented he is. But what happens when you put a talented guy with a bunch of guys that are struggling, you become a little bit mediocre yourself. And somehow you got to overlook those and say, hey, I got to go out there and make myself a little bit better and uh, play a little bit harder. So it, it's, it's a mixed component. I don't want Eloy to be a leader on a team. He's not a leader. I mean, he's hurt, uh, what, 25% of the time? He's not even playing in a game. You want somebody who goes out there that takes a bad hop in the mouth, his lips swollen up, and he's still out there the next inning to play a ball game out there, and he's going to say something. We don't have those guys on the team. I want to go back to what you said about the owner and loyalty and those who say, yeah, he's loyal to a fault. It's a bad thing. Aren't on his good list. I'm paraphrasing what you said a few minutes ago. I talked with Jack McDowell recently, who certainly is a player deserved everybody's respect. He have a, you know, a day when he didn't have his best stuff, but he would grind through eight innings. Regardless. He was a stud. Jerry wants nothing to do with him. And Jack complained about that on, on my podcast recently. He would love to be in the organization. And I know he's got that California cool that doesn't always fly with older guys like Jerry. But is that good for an organization? I mean, how can you tell me it's good for Jerry to have biases, whether he likes somebody or not, and that parlays into his decision to hire him or not give him a sniff? Well, he, he's been he's owned the team since 1981. Uh He's heard everything, complaints. Uh, 
some players do some stupid things that are not acceptable. Maybe Jack might've did something that was in that Avenue that kind of got up somebody's crawl and just doesn't want to participate in it. I like Jack. I mean, I, I mean, I played with him on the team and he was pretty intense. Uh, he was a gamer. So if we're on an airplane and you roll a ball down the aisle and Jack McDowell would be the first one to grab the ball to want to go out there and pitch, even if his arm was sore. That's the kind of gamer. Uh, Jack Morris, Hall of Famer, was the same way. I mean, he was ragging, and he couldn't do anything. They threw the ball. He just grabbed it and took it and pitched. Uh, that mentality is kind of gone. I've never been a cheerleader myself. I mean, you couldn't see me hit a home run and put a hat on and a jacket and look like Superman and give you the, you know, flip the fingers off on these home run celebrations. Could you imagine Greg Lazinski doing that? Uh, but Jerry, he's got a great memory. He remembers everything. So something must have happened, you know, but it's always easy to deal with people that you enjoy instead of that you don't enjoy. Why do, why do you bring people around that it's not good for you, good karma and good for the team and what anything else. So maybe that's why Jack's not around. Yeah, and I could see how he rubs people the wrong way. I just think he has a lot to offer. And um, for a guy who is particularly loyal to former players, you would think Jerry might be able to look past that. Ron, do you think the White Sox are going to stay in Chicago? Uh, you know what? Uh, it's a great city to have a team. I mean, it's one of the oldest stadiums left, you know, after the rebuild. But you got talks of, Milwaukee wanting a new stadium up in Milwaukee. Uh, who's friends with Jerry Reinsdorf? People from Milwaukee. I mean, anything could be a possibility. Uh, it, it's uh, He's a smart businessman. He knows his real estate. He knows what's going on. I mean, I've sat with Jerry countless times with Harold. We talk. Uh, it's not business. We talk people. I mean, Jerry's favorite team is still the 1983 White Sox. You know, he liked the 05 World Series champion, but he liked those guys because he was new to the game. He's around the same age as some of the other players, and he just had a great rapport with them, and he enjoys that. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, is it going to bother me if they move? Uh, I enjoy what I do I'm working for the White Sox as an ambassador. I mean, would I go to Nashville and put a cowboy hat on and do the same thing? Absolutely, because, Dan, you know me, you've known me a long time. I act the same now as I did when I was 18 years ago. I speak my peace of mind. Uh I've kind of learned a little bit. I got to be a little bit more cautious because I might hurt somebody's feelings. Not that I care, <laughs> but it, <laughs> it just might happen. And uh, But I can back it up because I played the game. I played the game as hard as I possibly could coming back from all my injuries. So I've been blessed to be around a bunch of good people. And uh, I love having dinner with Harold Baines almost every single day at the park. And uh, that's kind of our thing. We've been doing that since 1979, and that's a long time. I want to wrap it up uh, getting your thoughts on the White Sox fan base, and, and they love you. I mean, I, I see you on the concourse. You're freaking Willy Wonka without the purple cape. Uh, the cane's probably not too far behind, but we, we are an interesting bunch. It, it seems like white, and I know when I say White Sox fans, I'm painting with a broad brush, but a pretty good percentage of Sox fans seem like Ron, it almost seems like they'd rather be pissed off than satisfied. There were guys who complained about the 05 parade being on a Friday because they couldn't get off work. Why didn't they do it Saturday? White Sox fans are working, man. 
address White Sox fans right now, if you can, because lots of them are listening to this. Well, and, they're very, talk they're, to very them. they're very loyal. Don't get me wrong. Every fan in any ballpark, they want their team to win, but they want to be respected. So, like, it, it's just I, like I walk through the stands and I see who they're representing. They buy uh, an Eloy jersey or whatever it is, a Brayu. It doesn't matter. Fist on occasion. There's a Kittle jersey because I pay the guy to wear the damn thing on the on the, at the field, and uh, they they just want to see a winner. But I think more importantly, they need to see a good ball game. Because I never, when I played or coached or whatever it is, when somebody made an error, Danny, and he busted his butt to get that to the ball and makes an error, that never bothered me one bit. It's where you don't hustle to do your job, and it's an embarrassing bet. And it all everything that goes bad reflects back to ownership, you know. But Jerry gives a general manager, vice president, whatever it is, media, whatever it is, they give them the reins. And they got to do their job the best they possibly can. Jerry can't overlook every position in in the office. He cannot. He cannot do that stuff. There's some great people in that office. And uh, is this a positive move? I mean, whether I think so or not, it has to be a positive move. We got to perceive it as that positive move right now and move on and go out there and get these guys to play. You know, Harold jokingly said to me, he goes, Kitty, he goes, are you going to be the new motivational coach? And uh, I said, no, I couldn't do that. I said, there'd be lawsuits all over the place. And uh, But that's how I was brought up in the Midwest, I, in Gary, Indiana. Do as hard as you can, as long as you can. And uh, when you're done with your career, you tip your hat and say, hey, I gave it everything I had. I'm Dan McNeil, and you're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. You can do it anywhere you get your podcast and tell a friend. The Macker isn't done sharing his deep sports thoughts with you. You can find me twice a week. Typically on Monday late mornings we drop, and then again later in the week on Thursday. I'm Dan McNeil, and I am not finished saying things about stuff. Got more great news on Tuesday night, and uh, I I was so happy about this, even though the bigger picture is grim. Steve McMichael getting enshrined in Pro Football's Hall of Fame. I I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's deserved. I didn't think that years ago when when I watched Mongo play defensive tackle for the Bears for 13 freaking seasons, 15 total in the NFL. I, I thought he was a terrific player, but I, I wasn't sure if he was Hall of Fame material. The Bears had a few players on that defense who shined a little bit more brightly than Mongo did. But when you look at recent Canton and Shrinees, you can't deny this guy access to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And there was a, a benefit for ALS, which is what Mongo has, in case you've left the planet, last night in Marionette Park at 115 Bourbon Street, uh, money being raised for ALS research, and that certainly is a great cause. I I got word last night Mongo is, in fact, getting the news today. He's going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I think it's terrific. I think Bears fans today can celebrate that. I know former teammates of his are celebrating that. They're all awaiting official word eagerly today as well. Dan Hampton, uh, who was enshrined in the Hall of Fame a few years ago, he and I texted a few times on Tuesday night, and he's really hopeful 
that this goes Steve's way as well. And it should. And Hampton was made better on the field by McMichael. McMichael was the type of player who was a run stuffer first, but a guy who had really good hands and a really strong upper body and was able to get away from blockers and was was really, really durable too. He rarely came off the field. He played in 180-some games in a Bears uniform. I think only Patrick Manley and maybe Doug Buffon logged more games than McMichael did. And, and I doubt if Buffon did it. I should have looked that up before I started flapping, but it's not the point. The, the point is Steve McMichael is a Chicago Bear great, and it's appropriate. A guy with 95 career sacks gets his bust in Canton, Ohio. Richard Seymour and Bryant Young were 20-22 in Shrinies. They were good pass rushers, but their statistics paled in comparison to McMichael's. And they played on the edge as well. Much of Seymour's career was played on the outside. If you heard the podcast Monday, I talked to Joe Klecko, who played both inside and outside, and he got enshrined this summer, just last month, in Canton. His high his high water mark was 20 and a half sacks. And that's crazy good. That's in as a third-year player out of Temple playing defensive end that season. But they moved him to the nose. They moved him to the three technique. He's played all over the line. And he was great. And he went hard for McMichael. He was absolutely in McMichael's camp on the Hall of Fame enshrinement. And, you know, I, I think thinking people are. I, I don't think it's just being a Bears fan or a Bears homer if you say this is something that is deserved and should have happened a while ago. It's unfortunate Steve McMichael is past the stage where he can speak, and a lot of people are not aware of that. Uh, I, I think, you know, we haven't done maybe a, those of us who know the situation more personally haven't done a very good job of articulating how bad it is. Let me illuminate that for you. If you don't know much about ALS, when it becomes advanced and the average life expectancy once diagnosed is about three and a half years, patients live as long as five, maybe a little bit more than five years typically, but at the two-year period, it's rare when an ALS victim, rather call them victims than, than patients, can move their arms, can make speech. Communication is done by way of winking, blinking. One blink for yes, two blinks for no. It's, it's been that way for Steve for some time. He hasn't been able to make speech. He can make a few facial expressions, but that is the extent to which he's been reduced today is is a day for victory because I know how much it means to that man. He gave his life to that 100-yard piece of playing field, his, his killing floor. And, uh, God, it's been fun to get to know him over the years. He is our resident Vulgarian, <laughs> and uh, he's not everybody's flavor. He's mine. I I cherished the 22 years after his career. I got to know him a little bit. We were we were co-workers at ESPN 1000 for some time beginning in 01 and we've partied hard together and we've had some good times and we've made some pretty good radio together over the years. But he was a football player more than anything. 
and he deserves that spot in Canton, Ohio. I am so happy to get that news. There will be Bears news this weekend as they take on the Buffalo Bills, not the Denver Broncos. Thank you to my Facebook friends for pointing that out. Thank you for listening to the Danny Mac podcast, which is executively produced by the one and only Sam Michael. Adam Delavitt runs the show at Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thanks also to coordinating producers Alex Pastor, Troy Mocker, and our pal Randy Merkin. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dan McNeil. Back soon with more Stuff About Stuff. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.